2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Now folks, in church life, we've done a lot in 35 or 40 minutes. Amen? Amen? Now remember, after church, you can go to the welcome desk and pick up uh, your, your bag and cups. And I just thank you in advance for doing that and doing your part so that we can use those bags for, for outreach in, in, the days, in the days to come. Living in the light of eternity. Now the three verses we've had uh, for the last six months that I, you know, I referred to it for the first month or so and I really haven't been back to it really since January. So just to let you know, uh, usually pastors like to tell you the series they're doing, uh, like Wednesday nights we're doing prophecy. Uh, We're going to be using this handout as a springboard for the next several weeks and not only today kind of to refresh our minds about what we mean by living in the light of eternity but in the next several weeks I'm going to be pulling some of these statements off the page and we're going to put scripture to them and we're going to be talking about what is it like what does it look like when people like me and you live in light of eternity living in the light which is Christ you know we live like Christ and our lives are eternal. So those two things, those two things go together. The three verses that we've used that's on your sheet, John 1, 4, Ephesians 5, 8. I read most of these a while ago. Ecclesiastes 3, 11. Here's what they say. Still, you're staying in 2 Corinthians 6. In Him was life. In Him was life. Now immediately, you know, if you go back to John 1... In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And immediately you realize John is being led to write kind of a a new beginning like creation. In the beginning, God, you know. So he's, he's copying somewhat of the Genesis motif, but now it's a new covenant, Christ. So, so, he's, so he's talking about the Word becoming flesh. So he says, in Him was life. And we know from reading Scripture that when everything was created... It was through Christ. I mean, His name wasn't Jesus Christ then. He was the eternal Son. But everything the Father created, He used Christ to do because He's the Word. So in Him, now think about the in Him was life. And the life that you and I have is the light of men. So it, it, puts, a, it puts a responsibility on me and you that we're, we're bearing the... I'm not the light. But we bear the light. And when Jesus said, you're the light of the world, what He was talking about is Him being in us. The world will only see Christ through the church and through believers. You are the light of the world. In Him was life and the life was the light of men. Ephesians 5.8 says, For at one time you were darkness. You were darkness. It's just not saying you lived in darkness, you were. Darkness, despair, lostness, depravity, whatever verb you might want to come up with, or adjective, gripped your soul. It owned you. You were 
the darkness. So he says, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Amen? Then it says, walk as children of light. Think about that. Walk as children of light. Offspring. Word he uses there is born ones. Born ones. We've been birthed. We're now the children. And so through Him, through His seed and word, and we, we're, we walk like our Father. We walk like the Son. We, we walk like the eldest. Uh, the, as later we learn, He's their elder brother. We, we walk like Christ. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity in man's heart. That's a very sobering Bible verse because there's not the Bible does not teach annihilation. Annihilation is, is the belief that people who do not know Christ as Lord and Savior, that when they die, at some point they cease to exist. There's a, they believe in annihilation, that at some point they're no more. So there's no eternity, there's no suffering in hell. There's no judgment. They just are not at some point. Well, Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes that, that everybody's eternal because we all have eternal souls. And, and really, you know, we know when God's the author of life, just as He breathed life into Adam when He formed him out of the dirt of the ground, when the egg and the sperm meet, that life, is a gift from God. He ordained life to start that way. That's an eternal, that's an eternal life. Think about that. Every aborted, every aborted baby, not a fetus, just a baby. Every aborted baby is eternal. By the way, the Bible clearly tells us that every aborted baby, now they're not born again because, you know, they don't, they didn't live and deal with sin. But the Bible says they're safe. S-A-F-E. They're safe. The Bible calls them the uh, innocent ones. Isn't that interesting? Uh, King David spoke to that as well. But they're ever, so all of us, I, I'm fixing to chase a rabbit there. Won't. So, so there's eter- God's put eternity. So when we think about our little theme, living in the light of eternity, then another verse we're adding. By the way, in your sheet, I'll update it later. We're adding, we're adding these next two verses. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. I'm going to read it in its context in just a minute. And then 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Let me read 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Now your Bibles are open to 2 Corinthians 4. But I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time. This is 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes. Now, So, who, when the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness? He's talking about the sins of the world, our sins, our heart. Let me read it again. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time. 
Because it's the Lord's the judge, but not us. Before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. He's going to expose it all. The things that are hidden in darkness. Then it says, then people will receive judgment or commendation. Affirmation or judgment. Then you will receive from the Lord Jesus Christ. So let, let's, let's look at our sheets just for a second before I read 2 Corinthians 4. Here's some of the things we said. The family and friends of Redland Baptist Church pursuing the life and the light of Christ. And here's our little prayer. Dear Lord, by the power of Your Holy Spirit and with the truth of Your inerrant Word, by the way, uh, we're battling over that in the Southern Baptist Convention right now. Uh, we battled this in the 80s, the early 80s, where whether the Bible means what it says and says what it means or it doesn't. And so we're dealing with that right now in the convention. I will tell you that next Sunday I will leave after morning worship to go. The Southern Baptist Convention's in New Orleans. It's been many years since I've been to one. That's my own bad stewardship, but... We're in a little battle right now because we have a whole group of woke preachers and preacherettes that have decided that the Bible doesn't mean what it says. So the vote this year is a big deal. Uh, you know, I'll go ahead and say it's okay. I mean, I can do the rest of this. I mean, I can preach next Sunday the rest of this. But last year, for some reason, and of course they do this as a convention, they plan the convention six or eight years in advance. They have to be cities large enough to hold because, you know, 10,000 people come. And Anyway, last year it was in Anaheim, California. Now let me put that in perspective. The Southern Baptist Convention, and this isn't the first time it was in California, was in, was in Anaheim, California. Now, preachers like myself, okay, I could have gone. We had the budget. Could have done it. But, uh, but I didn't. Part of that was stewardship. You just hate to do, spend $2,000 to go out there for two days. But me and thousands of other southern preachers, preacher boys didn't go out there probably. And there were some decisions made that, that are not in line with what we, I, and many like me believe. So uh, that's why this convention is extremely important and, and why I'm going and, and hopefully many others that believe the Bible are going to show up and vote their convictions. You call me a messenger. I don't talk about this a lot, uh, the politics of the convention, but I'm a messenger. We're called messengers. And we can. I think we have three or four we can send. But me and a preacher friend of mine is going to go with me and uh, from another church. And so... Anyway, so that, that so next Sunday I'm leaving right after the morning worship and we'll be down there three or four days. So because now all that led because I read about his inerrant word. So here's our prayer. Dear Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit and with the truth of your inerrant word, bring to maturity the members of Redland Baptist Church. Folks, I pray, you know, every Sunday I get I'm all pumped about sharing God's word with you and and Maybe a little bit more for this just today because of 
it's kind of a springboard for the next several weeks or months. But I kept thinking about this today. I want us to be doers of the Word, not just hearers. Do you, do you hear me? I mean, that's out of the book of James. It's one thing for you to hear the Word. It's another thing for you to do the Word. To be a doer of God's Word. And, and I, you do need to know the information. You need to know the Bible verses. You need to know what it means to walk in all that. But you need to do it. And, and I, pray that, I pray that this truth will grip our souls. The stuff we talk about today and in the weeks to come. That Really, I pray every Sunday and every Wednesday, the things we learn will grip our souls. I put in print just some things that are related to any Christian life that we might battle with or that we would like to see. So then I'll read them to you. Bring, it says, Bring to maturity the members of Redland Baptist Church who love the Lord Jesus more than anything. I shouldn't even have to talk about that. When you say the Lord Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus our Lord, just the title and the name speaks for itself more than anything. More than your spouse, your children, uh, jobs, entertainment, health, your looks, whatever. Who love the Lord Jesus, who don't seek comfort over sacrifice, who will not feed their minds on TV and internet trash. Does your phone tell you how long you've been on screen business every week or month? Mine does. You know, say you've been on, on an average per day, you've had screen time. Does yours do that? Okay. I wonder if I would spend half that time in God's Word. Just, I mean, just basking in the truth of God's Word. Or maybe even a, a fourth. The hours and hours and hours you might spend. I remember we did this uh, several years ago. We, we had a challenge where we did 24 hours of, of TV-free living. Remember, it was a whole handout I gave. It said, I challenged you for 24 hours. Every week, you would pick 24 hours and have free of TV or screen time. 24 hours of a week. And so what people were doing is they were taping or their, those machines, so they could go back on another day and watch their stories. They didn't miss anything. Which is kind of funny, but the point is, it tells you how obsessed we are sometimes, as my grandmother used to say, with her stories. i got to watch my story. Diane and I watched some stories last night together. Some stories, as my grandmama used to say. So... Feeding your minds on TV and internet trash. I don't even have to go into that. Y'all know. I think about the language that is used on most TV shows. How many homosexuals? They act like homosexuality is half the population. Even if it was 10% and it's not. It's just 10%, right? And it's not. So, who, so who don't feed their minds... I'm, me and you, if we're going to walk living in the light of... Who seek first the kingdom and not the empty American dream 
nor the passing trinkets of materialism. Have you ever thought about how much you've thrown away in a given month, year, when you and I, and you do what I do, probably de-junk every once in a while, and how much you throw away? And what I'm thinking about is you paid for that, and it may be a year old or ten years old, but how much that you spend that is discarded. It's just, it's just trinkets of the world. Some of it's unneeded. We just throw it away. Can I be honest? It's a shame that in this room there are believers that will spend more money on a cell phone in a year than they'll ever give to the church. There's many more probably listening. That's true for them. Or anything. You could say golf or fishing supplies or guns. or they, They'll gladly spend. And I'm talking about just, in, just not useless, but think about that. There are Christians that will spend more money to have a good cell phone than they would ever give ever think about giving to the local church. That's weird. Anyway, let's move on. Who seek first His kingdom and not the empty American dream nor the passing dream. Do not whine or love pity parties. Who refuse to hold grudges or gossip. Who do not fear man or avoid persecution. Paul tells Timothy that the fear of persecution is what keeps our mouth shut a lot of times. He uses the word ashamed. It's translated in the English ashamed. But the word has the root of keeping your mouth closed. So there's a fear that keeps us from saying the truth. And it's because we don't want to be persecuted. Who do not fear man or avoid persecution. Who don't twist the truth and will not be petty. But are ablaze for Christ and for the gathering of the saints. Filled with the Holy Spirit, walking worthy of Christ. Constant in prayer and fearless about the gospel. Saved by grace alone. Living by faith and not by sight. Willing to unmask error and reject false doctrine. Addicted to righteousness and pursues self-denial. Addicted righteousness. Sometimes the Bible uses the word uprightness. A person with spiritual integrity that actually lives what they say they believe. Addicted to righteousness and pursues self-denial. You're looking for ways to crucify self. Now, you're not asking, you know, it's not about being a monk or something. And not doing it so people will brag on you. That's not what we're talking about. But you're looking for ways that you can crucify the old man so you can be more like Jesus. Passionate about reaching the unsaved. And then you're serious about the Lord's day and life in the church. Today is the Lord's day. Every Sunday is the Lord's day. It's not yours. It's the Lord's day. One day we're going to stand face to face with Jesus. He shed His blood 
to buy the church. He bought us with His own blood. And the Bible commands us to gather as a group of people, assemble as a congregation, ecclesia, on the Lord's Day. It's a command. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I might have said 6 earlier, but it's 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I'll be read verses 1 through 6. I did at least make it to the focal passage before we have to close. Therefore, Paul says, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning. He uses the idea of a dice player, somebody who deceives with dice. A street magician, you know, the trick of the hand, being trickery. Because, by the way, you know, there, there were other preachers that came in behind Paul that were better looking than Paul, you know, that were orators by trade and, and, and then would preach that Paul was, was not legitimate and they were, you know, so sometimes Paul had to defend himself. So he says, what I'm doing is I've renounced these pretend things. So that's what he's talking about. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's Word. Folks, the word tamper there, uh, to make the Word of God say something that it really doesn't say. That's what it's talking about. Or to not tell the whole truth. You know, I think about rat poison. And I, I don't know everything about rat poison, but I do know that rat poison works because a lot of it is not poison. Most of it is not poison. It's just a small bit. So it's attractive. It's a bait that's attractive because just a very small part of it is, is poisonous. Well, that's a lot of people do that with God's Word. They'll say a lot of things that are true, but then they will distort the whole truth. And that's what Paul's talking about. The idea is to mingle with, with lies, to uh, add to or to take away. To, to make the Word of God say things that are contrary to what's been revealed. That's kind of the idea. So he says, but we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or tamper with God's Word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, give me just, I realize the time, but give me just a moment. In their case. He's talking about lost people. And if you're looking at the context, Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. So, he's talking about not only the false teachers, but he's talking about all the lost people. So in their case, so, so today, 2,000 years later, we look at the lost world, we could say in their case. Look what he says. In their case. This is true today. In their case. 
People that have rejected the gospel, mocked the gospel, don't accept the gospel, whatever it might be, in their case, y'all know this is true, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Now who is that? Who is the God of this world? It's the devil. Satan, Lucifer, whatever name you you want to use that's mentioned in the Scriptures. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. You know, this is, you could... Out of this verse, you could pick about the, the supremacy of Christ, the exclusiveness of Christ in salvation, all these doctrines you could pick out of that. But the God of this world, which is the devil, Satan, Lucifer, blinds the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the beauty of Christ, the light of the gospel, the light of Christ. Now just... Briefly, in their case, you know, in Corinth. Corinth was not that far from Athens, which was the philosophical capital of the world uh, in Athens, 50 miles away. So the decadence and the false philosophies that were taught in Athens were also taught in Corinth, but Corinth was a port city. Corinth had two ports. If you pass through Corinth, you save 200 miles of seafaring. By the way, that's sailing, not in a motorboat, not on a cruise ship. 200 miles. And you could go a three mile stretch through Corinth. Uh, by the way, they did it so often, but you didn't sail. You do now through a canal. But when Paul wrote this, they did it. They would put the ships on rollers and would roll it. There's a canal there now. You can look it up when you get home. They've obviously cut a canal 100 years ago. But then, I think it was three miles, they'd put it on rollers and they'd roll the ship three miles. But that three miles would save. But they had ports on both, both ends. So in Corinth, in their case, in Corinth there were about nine different false deities. So there were nine different massive temples that people worshipped at. So they had rejected the gospel, but they they had all these other gods they worshipped. Let me give you two, and we'll finish. In their case. One was the temple of Aphrodite also known as Artemis, but Aphrodite was the goddess of love, eroticism, sexual pleasure. They had prostitutes that every evening their worship was to descend because right outside Corinth there's a big mountain. You can look at it today. The ruins of, of this temple still up there. 
they, these temple prostitutes would, would leave the temple and would descend down the mountain into the city, the port, and they would lead others to worship their god, goddess, through sex. They worship sex. Is that not true today? Is the god of Aphrodite still alive? Sure it is. 30 or 40% of the men in this room struggle with pornography. Did you hear what I just said? Maybe more than that. There's some in here that are addicted to it. Sex is a big deal. Perverting sex is what the devil does. So Aphrodite was one. I'll give you a couple others. You've probably heard Poseidon. Obviously water was everywhere. Poseidon, the, the god of the sea. So they would worship it so they would go out fishing. You know, so they worship good weather, God, Poseidon. Uh, Hermes, Demeter, you don't care. But the one that would really matter to you, you don't know the name. But Ascalipus was the god of medicine. So people not only would travel through Corinth because it was a good cut through. It, it shortened travel, all that. But they would travel there because of Ascalipus. That, that was the god of healing. And they would spend months there going to the... So what they would do briefly, they would, they would make offerings to the god of Ascalipus expecting this God to heal them. And what they would do is, let's say they had a broken leg, whatever, they would fashion a leg out of gold. And they would take this golden leg that they had fashioned and they would lay it at the altar of Ascalipus, begging Ascalipus to heal them, whatever the issue would be. And so they would stay in the city month after month after month, worshiping at the God of healing. So, so, the, so folks... Corinth was full of false gods and false worshipers. So they had the temple of sex. They had the temple of health. Matter of fact, they had a open air. They had an open air uh, uh, mall. They had an outdoor mall that was two hundred and forty-six yards long. Did you hear what I just said? An open air mall. That was 246 yards. That's two and a half football fields long. Open air mall. In that mall, there were, they excavated 33 taverns. So guess what was another big deal with alcohol? So you had drunks. You had sexual deviancy. That's why the idea of being a Corinthianite was a, not, was, was a bad word. So in their case, but folks, let me just say this. That's not your case, is it? No. Listen to what your case is. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, Paul's referring to Genesis 1, so Paul believed in Genesis 1? Yeah, he did. Literal creation? Yes, he did. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Folks, you want to know God the Father? If you want to know God the Father, who do you need to get to know? The Son. 
the light of the knowledge. And where do we go to find it? In the life or the face, as Paul said, in the face of Jesus Christ. In their case, the devil's blinded them. But that's not our case. In our case, we've seen the light. Amen? And now we walk in the light. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your grace and mercy. Father, thank You for the work of the church. God, I pray that You'll bless as we continue to study this new focus and new theme for Redland Baptist Church. We pray Your benediction upon all the families, individuals here. I pray that each of us will be an, an example of Christ's likeness by what we say and do in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. See you Wednesday night.